On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, 11 games. Of course, we got to talk about Deshaun Watson and Brandon Scott from Sports Talk 610 Radio joins the show. First time in a long time. That's going to be a fun conversation. But, Cody, it's Friday. Let's go ahead and start the party. All right, start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Elias. The app lets you access team and player stats, head to head team comparison. Give yourself the edge. This NFL season, find Elias' game plan in the App Store or Play Store today. I'm John Hickman. This is Cody Davis. How we not even gonna uh, <laughs> fake around, frog around, tangle or twist it? Eleven games for Deshaun Watson and a five million dollar fine. That is the final verdict that came down from the NFL on Thursday. And Cody, um, and. and the Browns as an organization, Jimmy Haslam, what are you thinking? But we will see Deshaun Watson play football this year. <laughs> Ironically, that 12th game will be against the Houston Texans December 4th. I can't think of a time we've seen an odd, odd number suspension. I could be just forgetting, but uh, that is probably the biggest news in the NFL right now. And that news affects Houston in a different, a couple of different ways. That was the Houston Texans franchise quarterback. That was the quarterback that led to the Houston Texans, um, you know, settling outside of court as well. That is the quarterback the Cleveland Browns are banking on taking to the promised land. But that is a quarterback that will be missing 11 games and that will help the Houston Texans chances at a top pick in next year's draft. They are guaranteed the Cleveland Browns first round pick. Cody, what are your thoughts about Deshaun Watson and this 11 game suspension? I'm speechless. You know, a part of me, of course, the moral standpoint of things, 11 games and only a $5 million fine. What the hell? You might as well just not even find him at all. $5 million is nothing to Deshaun Watson. That's like finding us $5. But look, it's still light given the circumstances and everything that was taking place off the field. I mean, look, John, at the end of the day, we are going into what these, what is it? The 19th, 20 month, just talking about this, this issue off field with Deshaun Watson. But at the same time, December 4th, NRG stadium <laughs> in, in the city of Houston. Uh, first and foremost, John, you know me. I'm not a I'm not I'm not nobody that believes in conspiracies, but I do believe the reason why they did it Levitt, the NFL must have told Deshaun Watson, you're gonna go play inside go you're gonna go back to Houston and play inside NRG Stadium and feel the wrath of the formal people who used to love you as your final punishment for disrespecting the shield. Because if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm like, look, let's just push this to 12 games and I'll come back the week after the Houston Texans game. But you know, John, in all seriousness, and of course, bringing everything back around to the Houston Texans side of things, with him missing 
majority of the season, 11 games, you know, th- that's really going to that's going to play in favor of the of the Houston Very Texans get, getting their first round pick. If you give me a quick moment, these are the games that they're going to have to play without Deshaun. The Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, um, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Buccaneers. And out of those 11 games, I could see them winning at least two. So, and not only that, with Deshaun Watson making his much-anticipated debut against the Houston Texans, and this is going to be the first time that he's going to step on the field to play a real legitimate NFL game. And I think they say over 700 days, Deshaun is going to look rusty, which means yeah. now we're looking at this as a standpoint that the Houston Texans can definitely win this game. So, you know, it's just a crazy and scenario. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two, two, like for Houston, it's two great things that can come out of that. If mm-hmm. you beat them, like, we just beat you with him on the field. Because for Cleveland, he has to play, right? Like, mm-hmm. I hope Cleveland and the coaching staff doesn't go the route of, uh, you know, Bill ben Simmons this as well, just putting an injury out there. Ben right? Simmons. Like, just, right, just kind of <laughs> making something up or saying that he's dealing with some lingering issue and that he's not yet ready to play. And we see him the following week when they take on the Bengals. I hope that isn't the case. I think Deshaun's to play. But if Houston wins, number one, and I saw the funniest tweet, by the way. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I did see a tweet that said Houston Texas fans should probably just bring a lot of tiles to the stadium and wear, wear them around. <laughs> hey, teams do give out rally tiles at least one one game throughout every season. Why not? It, it's a rally be, towel. It'll be an all-white <laughs> towel. But – for Houston, if you beat the Cleveland Browns, you beat them. Like Deshaun, we beat you, right? And that's a moral, uh, not a moral victory, but that's a heartfelt victory. Then on the business side, we just also increased our draft stock for next year because you got to come up off that pick, right? So mm-hmm. run, them, run them pockets. It's a good good thing for Houston. Listen, the, the, the Browns are in a position where, like the Bills is a game that I would count against them. The Bucks is a game I would count against them as of right now. The Bengals, the Ravens, they have a few games. The Chargers, they have a few games. Week two against the Steelers, they, uh, week three. They have a few games where it doesn't look good for them, even with Deshaun. From the last time we saw Deshaun Watson play football, he looked bad. So even when I'm out on the field, it's not favorable. Now he's not out there for 11 games. Thank you, Cleveland. We appreciate it here in Houston. <laughs> but for the Texans, guys, you, you got to look at this as another just kneel in the coffin. It's over with. Like, we have to kind of technically deal with you guys the next two years because we got your first-round pick. But the Deshaun Watson saga for us here in Houston, for the Texans, and I'm speaking like I'm a Texan, it's over with. Like, we mm. settled our cases. Uh, that's your problem. And it can only get better for this franchise moving forward. I'm not going to say it's over until December 5th. Because the, that week leading up to that December 4th game, everything is going to come out the woodworks on everything that took place with Deshaun Watson and his organization, both on and off the field. You know, because in the midst of all this, we're forgetting why did you had why did you feel the need to demand the trade to begin with? Why in the span of what was it, 12 months, we lost 
three of the top five players that ever played for this organization in D Hop and Watt. So was it's it always a lot a part of Deshaun Watson's plan? That's another thing. Was Indeed. it always a look? We're going to have to save those conversations for later on in the year. But, John, once again, I'm not going to say that this organization and Deshaun and this whole this this whole entire subject, it's not going to be over until December 5th. Because, like I mentioned, the week leading up to this game is just going to be nonstop talk between Deshaun and this organization. And it's unfortunate that. You also gotta still consider the serious the, the seriousness of what took place or may not have taken place off the field. So as of right now And I hope the son actually is available for the media. Oh, he he has to be. He has to be. I I'm not sure. I gotta go back and, and check and see, but I think if if an NFL team does not, like I said, I'm going to have to double check, but if an NFL team does not allow their starting quarterback for that particular game to be available to the media, um, I think there's a fine. Now, maybe the Cleveland Browns might say, you know, screw it, we just, we just paid a fine. I already but... paid everything else. <laughs> I would like to say that Deshaun Watson has to comply with an eval and treatment recommendations of a third-party behavioral expert to be reinstated. His reinstatement is contingent upon his compliance with the treatment plan. If he doesn't comply, his reinstatement could be delayed, plus further discipline. I'm sure he'll go through that uh, treatment as well. But these are the things that Deshaun Watson, the obstacles that he has to go through at the time, at this time, to play some football. And right now, it looks like December 4th, we will see Deshaun Watson play football for over for the first time in, by that time, over 700 days. Hey, guys, if you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be very stressful. I know it, especially when unexpected expenses come up. Now, Dave can help you get out of a pinch when you really need it. Dave is the banking app. You guys are going to love this. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank up. Uh, go ahead and treat your mom to a nice dinner. Whatever you want to spend your $500 on, you can do so. You can finally tackle some of those expenses that have been stressing you out without any of those hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's Dave, D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly for terms and conditions. Go to Dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve and member FDIC. The future you will thank you later. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. However, get the latest NFL fantasy tips from the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast and Locked On Dynasty. Plus, starting August 22nd, we're bringing you daily top 10 lists for Fantasy Draft Week. Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Y'all don't understand how excited I am, right? I'm, I'm going to do this like, a, like I'm bringing out an artist or something. Y'all understand what's going on right now. Put your hands together. Brandon K. Scott of the B-Block Podcast and 610 Radio. I am very happy, excited, as you guys can tell, to have B. Scott on the Locked On Texan Podcast. Welcome back. It's been a while. Brother, good to see you. 
Man, it's good to be seen. Good to be seen, man. That's how I feel about it. It's good to see y'all too, man. I honestly can't believe it's been this long. This became so regular as part of my as part of my schedule, my weekly schedule, uh, being with y'all toward the end of the week, every week during the season, and you know, and at times even in the off season as we kind of geared up for different events like the draft and the off season programs and all of that. So mm-hmm. now that we're through all of that. Okay, now that we're through all of that and we're into the preseason, the game into the preseason, about to watch the second, and uh, not that long away from the regular season, man, it's just good to finally be back and, you know, hopefully we can get back regular again. Absolutely, Cody. I know you got a lot of questions we may want to ask him uh, tonight, but we're going to start off with talking about training camp thus far, and then I'm going to end off the show with this upcoming game for uh, later today on Friday, but your thoughts on training camp thus far? I know it's totally different from Camp Casario from last year with David Cully mm-hmm. and the, the barbecue and all of that. This is a different feel to this training camp. But as a reporter that's been on the ground since day one, I've asked the same question to Cody. I'm going to ask it to you as well. What are your thoughts and takeaways so far? Well, one thing that definitely stands out to me is the coaching. And you, the, you just feel like, the coaching, not only just from us, from an observational standpoint, feel like there is more competent and realistic NFL coaching out there uh, from the head coach to the offensive coordinator, uh, which are the main changes, right, to the coaching staff, the two key, the two key changes that we would note. Um, you just feel like there is a much higher level of credibility there. Again, not just from an observational standpoint, but also in terms of how the team the, the the players, the coaches themselves, like how they view each other. Like you feel like everyone is sort of carrying a respect for leadership, for better or worse. Like I, I'm not trying to sell you on all of this is going to work out and it's going to be great. But at least for now, you get the sense that there's some credibility there that just did not feel like it was there at training camp last year and then went on to prove itself to be the case throughout the season you know you kind of just thought eventually well, it didn't take very long honestly for you to kind of look around and think you know what are we doing here like what is going on um with this coaching staff and of course with this team as well which we didn't expect to be very good because it wasn't especially talented but it was it was striking at times how talented they weren't um mm-hmm. and then between you know the way football works the attrition injuries and then you had you had the COVID element to it as well that we dealt with over the last couple of years and there were times where a bad team looked even worse because you had backups out there to backups. You know, some guys who started for you arguably would be, would be backups in most places or in other places that were good, and they were out there playing. And then you looked at the coaching staff and you didn't feel – you perhaps felt even worse about that. You know, and so it was just – there was just a lack of credibility last year training camp and again kind of proving itself throughout the season that you did not feel um, necessarily um, in camp. And, and right now, as we go through the preseason, when we continue to go to these practices, one thing I'll say about the players, and I mentioned this to one of our colleagues, another one of the members of the media that covers the Texas out there at practice, it might have even been, um, it might have even been Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, he mentioned, and I agree, that, uh, that the team seemed to have taken on the personality of his coach. Um, or of their coach, you know, that they, they seem kind of, and, and this is not a knock, I want to be clear on what I'm saying here, but it, the, the practices seem to be really reserved and 
like just think about Lovey Smith's disposition and what you think of him, uh, just kind of as as a calm but firm, no nonsense kind of dude. Um, but but also again calm and not not loud or overly animated or anything. And that's not to say it's like boring, but it's it, it's more of just a calm nature of the team. Um, so that that's one thing that stood out to me, um, just about the difference between last year and this year. And we can obviously get into some of the players. I think that you're going to see a a demonstrably different team out there uh, based off of the addition, specifically on defense. And then offensively, I think the, the change that you'll see that'll be key is going to be more so, I'm not breaking news here, but it'll be more so about the development of Davis Mills, which we're all excited or at the very least curious to watch and see. And then, of course, uh, Pep Hamilton's role in that. Like, how how does his uh, schematic change? He he kind of uh, bucks at the idea that it's his offense, but obviously it is. He's the offensive coordinator and be the one who will call plays. And they uh, fired the last guy and brought him in for a reason. So uh, so those are those are the two things that are really gonna kind of be the thing to watch more so than like a single personnel change, right? Because you know. This, for the most part, is a similar, like not a, just not a, a gravely different offense, uh, personnel-wise, than it was last year. You hope that Damian Pierce and, and and even Marlon Mack to a degree that they add a new element or you know a much needed boost to the run game, and that the changes that they made in the interior line uh, work out too. But I mean, Brandon Cooks is still their top receiver. Davis Mills is still the quarterback. You know, Nico Collins, I thought was their second best receiver last year. You just want him to take a step. Um, but but really on the defensive end, when you look at the changes that they've made, I think those are going to be uh, noticeably different. Whether How much better that they are, I guess, remains to be seen. But you will see, I think, a noticeably different defense from the secondary being totally remade to even some of the, the edge guys that they brought in to, to support Jonathan Bernard. Brandon, you talked about the talent or lack thereof that this team had last year during training camp. But this year, as you mentioned, it seems like it's a complete 180. So with that being said, you know, who are some of the players who stood out to you as we enter? What is this now? Week three of training camp? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to call it week two of the preseason at this point, man. Mm -hmm. Training camp. I put training camp to bed. You know, we're in the preseason. Uh, after after the day, we will be two games into the preseason, which means we'll just have one left, one game left before we get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And I think it was somebody at our station at Sports Radio 16 that pointed out, this is easy to look up, but that pointed out that, that all three preseason games are being played within something like 12 days. You know, so it's a short preseason in that regard, not just in terms of it being three games as opposed to four back in the day, but you know, three games in 12 days, and, and then we're, you know, we're on to uh, to, to the Texans hosting the Indianapolis Colts in the, in the, in the opener. Um, so, but as far as players that stand out, uh, let me just go off the preseason game. Let's just let's just start there, because um, I mean, we can we can talk camp to death, but the preseason game, for what we saw, the first one, uh, I thought the like the biggest thing that stood out to me were the safeties, um, and I don't know how sexy that is to talk about. But Jalen Petrie and Jonathan Owens, to, to a lesser degree, but Jalen Petrie and Jonathan Owens as a tandem at safety. I'm not saying that they're going to 
you know, set the world on fire necessarily. I think Petrie has a chance to be that type of player, that level of player. But as a tandem, I think that's just going to be so much better than what we've seen in recent years at safety. And I think it's all the more important considering the the Levy Smith defense and and how they rely on, on safeties uh, to you know to do their jobs in a cover two defense. You know, so like that's going to be I think that's going to be critical. Um, obviously in the passing game, but even in the run game as well. Like if you look at mm. if you look at the plays that they made uh, for the limited time that they were out there, and this is Petrie and Owen specifically that I'm talking about. If you look at the plays that they made that were the most impressive, they were plays in the run game. You know, they were it, it was them coming out of nowhere seemingly uh, and, and coming in to make plays, often being right there at the line of scrimmage or, or, or right there next to it. You know, at the second level. To, to make the tackle, uh, to, 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 to trip a guy up. You know, I think on that forced fumble um, on the second drive that the Saints had, it was it was Petrie coming out of nowhere to trip up the running back uh, to get his ankles. And as he stumbles, it's Jonathan Owens bowing up and putting his shoulder in there and knocking the ball out. You know, and there were a couple of plays like that where they just flashed to me more than anybody else on the screen. Um, obviously, Derek Stingley did not play, um, and we do not know exactly when we'll get a feel for that and what that exactly looks like. And and clearly, we're excited for that for for obvious reasons. But from what we've seen so far, just in those preseason games, I felt and I was already pretty high on you know let's just call it Jalen Petrie to begin with, but became higher on Petrie and Owens as a tandem because I felt like both of those guys seem to have a real nose for the ball and brought a level of physicality, especially with Owens. I point out uh, the physicality aspect of it because he's just not a big guy. Um, I don't have in front of me what they list him as, but I've seen him enough in person and been around him enough in person to tell you, man, that just looks like a regular, as far as size-wise, that's just like a regular dude. Um, and then he goes out there and, it's, you know, it's clearly, it's not, you know, it's clearly an NFL caliber player. Um, so, um, so I was impressed with them. Those would be the ones that I would say stood out to me defensively. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to cause, uh, you know, like sound the alarm on the defensive line, but I didn't feel like I saw enough from them in terms of like how I felt about them going into training camp. I felt like that was a really, uh, deep bunch. Uh, John Harris, uh, sideline reporter for the Texans. And does a lot of work with us too at Sports Radio 610. Um, trust his his evaluation and his opinion on everything uh, football. And uh, at one point in was it training camp or maybe even OTAs, he mentioned it might have been OTAs where he mentioned the defensive line being the deepest group, uh, the, the deepest position group on the team. And you know, I raised my eyebrow at that when I first read it. But you know, John Harris says it, and I took it to heart and really started to look at it and thought, well. Not most talented necessarily, but but if you want to just talk about depth, he might he might have a point. You know, maybe there's something to that. Um, and I think for my own self, I developed some level of expectation with that. Of okay, well they got this deep uh, defensive line, they're gonna be out there looking a certain way, and I, didn't, I just didn't feel that way. Uh, Lovey and, and and Pep, you know, let's just call it thinking. Lovey doubles up as the head coach and defensive coordinator, and Pep is obviously the offensive coordinator. They both talk about wanted to impose a certain level of physicality um, and wanting that to be a part of their team identity, right? We've heard them talk about this on numerous occasions. Pep even mentioned it as recently as, as this 
week since the uh, first preseason game about wanting to establish a certain level of physicality. And I don't feel like they did that on hmm. either side of the ball. Um, you know, and it, it was certainly not in the beginning of the game. They obviously won the game um, and, and, and won the game having the ball less. You know, there were some good things that they did. I'm not trying to crap on them, but. Uh, but if we're talking about though that that first unit on both sides of the ball, I don't, I don't feel like they impose and establish the identity that they have, the stated identity that they have kind of presented and told us that they wanted to be about. Um, so I'm high on the safeties. Um, I, I think that you have definitely upgraded a corner with, without even seeing Stingley in an NFL game yet. And I think Steven Nelson is going to be a better number two than what you would have had last year um, at any point or the last, let's call it the last couple of years, several years at any point. Uh, but I still got some questions about the guys up front on both sides of the ball, uh, whether it be health on the offensive side or or talent on the defensive side. Life is full of twists and turns, and it's important to show up for yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video and phone sessions so you don't have to be on camera if you want to. You're getting therapy every week. It's as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. Visit their website and read their testimonies that are posted daily. And they have a special offers for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash locked on. Thank y'all for making us your first listen each and every day. Make locked on fantasy football your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over. 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for the draft with the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast found on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back, everybody. BK, B. Scott. I don't know why I said Brandon K. That's why. <laughs> B. Scott is back. Cody, what we talking about, man? Got the game coming up. What's on your mind? Brandon, before we move on and start talking about tonight's game against the Los Angeles Rams, I want to go back to the last segment. You're talking about how, you know, you still have your concerns about the defensive line. Um, I found that statement just a little bit interesting because um, early on in the week, John and myself, we had the same discussion about the D-line. However, we was thinking the complete 180. We kind of agree with John that this might be one of their deepest position groups. I believe the other day, as of right now, I saw on the roster they have someone in the ballpark of 13 or 14 defensive linemen, and 10 of those players they can actually utilize throughout the season. So, you know, I found that just a little bit, you know, interesting, but at the same time, this is a D-line that went out there, recorded five sacks against the New Orleans Saints, but as we all know, the Saints did not have their best players out there. Now they're going to play against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm pretty sure we're going to see more of the established players. What do you need to see out of this defensive line unit starting tonight to make you say, you know what, maybe this might be one of their deepest position groups? Yeah. Really quick, before you answer that question, 
I, I, the reason why Cody and I was going by saying that this is a deep group for them is because there isn't a standout perennial star on this defensive front. And so everybody could be used because, you know, this guy may do something differently that helps Houston. I think the best player on this defensive line right now is Jonathan Grenard. Then you look at maybe Jerry Hughes and then Malik Collins as two and three, throw Mario Addison in the mix. But there isn't a number one guy that you can put on any other 31 teams and they start right off the rip. Yeah, so for me, I, I don't – like I said, when I first saw it, you know, when I first heard the idea from John Harris that this is the deepest position group on the team, I was like, really? And then when I thought about it, I was more agreeable to it. And so I, I'm not down on the depth of the line. They, they without question, have a bunch of guys. You know, we can rattle them off. And like you said, mm-hmm. they got 13 guys or whatever, and Lovey said he wants to have 10 to 12 or whatever it is. I know that on the active roster last year, on the 53-man roster, their first 53-man that they put out that they had, it was it was eight, I believe, that they mm-hmm. had. So, uh, so uh, you know, I, I kind of in my mind figured that they would do something similar, having the same defensive coordinator who's just now the head coach, but it's the same, you know, for the most part, defensive philosophy and everything. Uh, I figured that they would probably keep at least eight defensive linemen, possibly more. And the depth is not as much as what I'm concerned with is more so the overall talent and, and, mm. and what's left and, and i'm not ruling it out i'm not i'm not down on the defensive line i just feel like i do need to see a greater level of physicality and i think when i was talking about physicality i probably meant more so the offense more than anything uh because it was you know it was justin mccray getting beat on the inside and getting having a holding penalty uh when uh on, on that second drive when marlon mack bounces it outside right um i mean if you go back and look at that play uh, Nico Collins was kind of holding Bradley Roby too, so they could have gotten called uh, for two holding penalties. Um, and, but it obviously negated uh, a good play by Marlon Mack, and maybe even helped, uh, enhanced it and helped it a little bit. It was Brevin Jordan not being able to block on the outside, you know, on the perimeter, get out of space and be athletic, athletic, and, and block a cornerback on that screen pass to Chris Conley. I think on the second play of the game, you know, so that was actually really more so what I was thinking about when I talked about a lack of physicality. But I still don't feel like uh, I still feel like the defensive line has to prove itself before I can anoint it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily down on them as as much as I am maybe skeptical or more so just wait and see. Let's prove kind of prove it mode because Jonathan Bernard had a breakout. See, Jonathan Bernard is somebody I've been high on since they drafted him. You know when I when when they had that draft and obviously Ross Blacklock was the marquee pick because of it being tied to the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And I'm pretty sure that being their first pick of that draft because they didn't have a first round pick. Yeah, it um, was. And he's a local kid. So there was a focus on him for a number of reasons that made sense. But I thought, hey, wait a minute. I think Jonathan Bernard um, led the SEC in sacks and tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. You know, that's nothing to sneeze at. This guy has a chance to be a, at the very least, a, a player in this league, like a consistent you know, have a long career in the NFL. This is the guy I'm kind of more excited to watch. And that's that's kind of proven itself. He has been the better draft pick so far uh, out of the two of them. Um, so uh, so I feel good about Jonathan Bernard. Um, I, I think that Jerry Hughes still has some juice. Um, so I think they can be better uh, from, from a rushing the passer standpoint. 
when you think about Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison being older guys but have been productive recently, uh, Rasheem Green uh, looks like a transformer or, or an Avenger or something out there like like that. I mean, he is he is physically impressive. Um, we'll see what that like how that translates into real games. Uh, but like I, I'm, I'm careful to not be too bullish, fellas. I, mean, I, I don't want to be too bullish on depth if it's not like necessarily quality or 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 mm-hmm. substitute the idea of quality for depth or with depth. You know what I mean? Like when when we say deep, do we, what do we mean? Are we just talking about a lot having a lot of guys, or are we talking about a lot of guys that you feel good about? Like uh, Okoronkwo from the Rams. Facing his old team this weekend, like that's somebody who I think can make a real difference in the uh, in in the pass game as a pass rusher. But when we talk about the run game, like I mentioned earlier, when I was saying how high I was on the safeties, they stood out to me more than the defensive line or the linebackers in the run game. Like it was the safeties that the ones that came in looking like you know was bringing the physicality, you know, looking like they were the ones that were really inviting contact the way you want your defense to do. Um, you know, you kind of want your offense to avoid contact a little bit, and you want your defense to to invite it and inflict it, you know, ideally. So um, I didn't – I don't feel like I saw that necessarily yet. And, and maybe it's, it's just, you know, small sample size. Again, not – I think I prefaced it earlier, like not sound the alarms on, on certain things from based off of one preseason game and going to a handful of training camp practices and preseason practices. But to me, it's still wait and see. Uh, on on how the depth on the defensive line translates into quality on the defensive line. Let's talk about something that you may want to see from the Houston Texan team on Friday, later today, in this preseason game that you didn't get an opportunity to see against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I, I just prefer that they start off faster, that they, that they don't come out as sluggish mm-hmm. as they did. I mean, this is the way I look at it. You can celebrate the fact that they won the game. I know we don't necessarily care about the results, but them winning the game means that the good things happen, right? Now, just by whether it's by hook or crook, luck, better to be lucky than good, however you want to look at it. And I thought they did some good things, obviously, towards the end of the game, but we really want to focus on those first couple of drives on both sides of the ball when the guys who are in there are guys that you expect to be real contributors to the team. And I know guys like us that are in media, y'all do a daily podcast. Um, I'm obviously at the flagship radio station on a daily mm. basis. So we're, we're fixated on uh, the, the nitty-gritty, uh, the, the last man, on you know, the, the Chad BBs of the world, the first guy to get cut from the roster. You know, like we're, we're fixated on that. But, like, the important stuff is what happens early on. And what happened early on, guys? Like, you went three and out. Uh, and, and negative yardage on your first two plays, and then, you watch the other, then, you, then your defense watched the other team. And I, and I don't, just to be clear, I don't think the defense was awful on that first drive. I thought the – I really give credit to the Saints offense. I thought they executed really well. Um, but obviously they got beat, man. Tim you know, went down there in 10 plays, five minutes, yeah. four or five minutes, whatever it was. And so your, your immediate impression of your team, if you're a Texans fan, is three and out for your team, uh, and not just three and out, but negative yards on your first two plays. <laughs> and, and, and then uh, the other team marches down the field on you to score, okay? And then you come out the next drive and you open it up with a penalty, okay? Um, and then and then from there, I guess you're three and out. 
Um, and then uh, the, the drive after that, you know, you're in the red zone because of the turnover. And you open it up with a – I think I like that they took a shot. I, I, I don't I don't like that they waited until they get the ball in the red zone or closer to the red zone. I can't remember if they're exactly in the red zone. They're good field position on the third drive of the game because of Trayvon Smith, I believe, uh, interception. Interception. Mm-hmm. And, and their first play, instead of running the ball like they did on those first two drives, right, first play was to run the ball, they took a shot uh, to Chris Moore, I believe, and he gets called for the pass interference. I like that. I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing you do that with not so good field position. Let's just let, let's just let, every now and then on first down, let's let's switch it up a little bit and, and take a shot here and there. Um, but I understood doing it in this situation versus this one. You know, like hey, let, we're close. Let's let's take our shot now. Um, and so I like that. Um, but you come out with a penalty there um, and only come away from that drive with a field goal. So <laughs> you know, you're you're looking at. Um, you know, you're looking at the, the the players that you expect to contribute and you want to see them come out faster. Even if they like I would trade a loss in this game and, and not looking good toward the back end for feeling really good about those first couple of drives or however long Levy Smith and crew decide to play the main guys. So that's what I want to see. Some of the stuff I mentioned earlier about, hey, if you say you're going to be a physical team, whatever, go, go do it. Go be it. You know, like establish that stated identity that you you've been preaching all of this time. Um, don't shoot yourself in the foot with penalties early in the drive. Don't be predictable and run the play. And I don't know necessarily like I haven't seen enough of this offense to say that that's what they're going to do. But I'm saying mm-hmm. don't be the predictable offense that runs the ball on first down all the time like Bill O'Brien's and Tim Kelly's did. Like, don't be that. Don't do that. Um, don't necessarily wait till you're closer to the red zone to take your shots, you know. Because um, even that is to a certain level a little bit more predictable. Or they might they might go for it here, since they you know sucked on their last two drives and their defense did them a favor and set them up a good field position. You know, like you can see that coming more so than doing it from the twenty six. You know, your own twenty six or whatever. So I want to see. Uh, I don't want to make too much of the play calling, but I want to see them at least establish the ide- the stated identity that they've been preaching all of this time. Hmm. Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on all your social media platforms? And be sure to tell them about the B-Block Podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter, uh, at B. Scott from Hiram Park on Instagram. Of course, um, doing a lot of work over at Sports Radio 610. So follow them and follow me. And if you follow both, you kind of figure out when you can find me on there. I'm usually on there every Thursday at 11 on In The Loop. That's kind mm-hmm. of a regular spot. The only time it's not on Thursday is when John McClain big time just an ass. <laughs> and we have to move around our schedule. Everybody got to move around their schedule for John McClain, which we're glad. The legend. Do. Uh, <laughs> glad to do because the legend is still around and doing some stuff with us uh, after retiring from the Chronicle. But yeah, also the B-Block podcast every week. We went on a hiatus for a little while, had a lot of stuff going on. But we're about to pick that back up pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. um, especially uh, especially with the Texas season right around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. And the Astros about to get into the nitty-gritty of their postseason run. Um, that's mm-hmm. also right around the corner. Um, and so we'll be doing a lot on there, too. And there's some other stuff coming down the pike, too, uh, with Sports Radio 610 for y'all to keep your eye on, too. That I can't really talk about too much. But if y'all stay tuned and uh, keep an eye out, uh, we'll get into more of that later as well. So at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter is where it's all at. It is. Follow us on Twitter. 
at Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman12. Make sure you are subscribing to the Locked On Texan podcast on you on YouTube, excuse me, under Locked On Texans. Shout out to all the kids that went back to school this week. Yes. Mm. Y'all have yes. some great photos, man. I loved it. You know, Uncle John love the kids, so shout out to the kids. <laughs> yeah, man. I had I had uh I had three that went back to school last oh, week, man. man. <laughs> put, uh, put the youngest two on the bus for the first time. So, you know, that's just that's just all the kind of feels and emotions, man, when you're watching your kids grow up. And uh mm. and even for me to think about like I have a seventh grader now. And I don't even feel like I'm really old enough to have a seventh grader, but I clearly <laughs> am because I do in fact have one. So, uh, so that's life. That's time. Time passing by, man. I saw those pictures as well, man. I loved it. Yeah, they appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.